We are on Chagiga Yerchas Amir Aleph, 18A3 in the Arshko Gemara. We are now concluding uh, the last part of the Gemara that is commenting on our Mishnah. The Mishnah said, Umutaran behesped uvetainis, shalolakaymes divrei haomrin atzeres achar hashabas. That if Shavuos would fall either on Friday according to Beis Shammai, or on Shabbos according to Beis Hillel, so those are days uh, that you are not allowed to bring the Korban Chagiga or the Olas Ri'ia according to Beis Shammai. You can never bring it on the day of Shavuos itself. According to Beis Hillel, you cannot bring it on Shabbos. You can't bring additional sacrifices on Shabbos if you, if, if you can bring them on a different day. So you bring them on Sunday. So we push it off onto Sunday. The problem with pushing it off onto Sunday, there's no problem with bringing it on Sunday, but we're concerned that people will think that we're following the opinion of of the uh, of the Tzdukim. The Tzdukim were of the opinion that Shavuos every year falls out on Sunday. So if we were to push it off from Friday to Sunday or from Shabbos to Sunday, it looks like we're following that opinion. And we certainly do not follow that opinion. We believe that it is the 50th day after... Uh, after the bringing of the Omer, after Pesach, after the beginning of Pesach. So if we do that, so to counteract that way of thinking, we say that, you know what, it's not completely a holiday of You are allowed to have eulogies, you're allowed to fast on that day, even though, in general, you wouldn't be allowed to. Uh, but on that day, we would tell you that you're allowed to fast, you're allowed to uh, have a eulogy. We tell also that the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, uh, shouldn't wear special clothing that he usually wears when he is involved in sacrifices. Uh, so we do various things to counteract uh, the thought that maybe we follow the opinion of the Tzdukim. The Tzdukim, they don't, they don't believe in the Oral Torah, and so therefore they believe that it's always, Shavuos is always on a Sunday. If we ever push off Shavuos from a Friday or a Shabbos to a Sunday, we counteract that way of thinking by telling people that they by having the law as such that they are allowed to have eulogies, they are allowed to fast, and that the Kohen Gadol should not wear special clothing. So the Gemara challenges this, and it says, Avahatanya, but it's taught in a Braisa, Maisa, Umais, Alaksa, Alexa Belud. There was a story where Alexa died in Lud. A person, a certain person died. So, and they, they wanted to eulogize him. But Rabbi Tarvin came and said that you can't do it because it's the holiday of Shavuos. So the Gemara asks, it interjects and it asks, Yom Tov could you actually be referring to where somebody dies and we're having eulogies, could that actually take place on Yom Tov itself? Ib Yom Tov would people, would all of Israel come to, uh, to eulogize him on Yom Tov itself? It can't be referring to Yom Tov, the holiday of Shavuos itself. It must be that it was a day that where we pushed it off. We pushed it off from that day, and so we pushed off that day, and yet we see that Rabbi Tarfan was against them having eulogies. So it seems to be against our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says that if it falls out on a Friday or Shabbos and we push it off to Sunday, that we do have eulogies, yet Rabbi Tarfan says that we shouldn't have eulogies. So the Gemara answers, Lo kasha, it's not difficult. Kam biyamtur shechaliyos, achar Shabbos, kam biyamtur shechaliyos, bishabbos. The Gemara concludes by saying that, well, it depends. If we're pushing it off, and then it ends up being on a Sunday. Either we push it off on Friday, or from Shabbos, and ends up being on Sunday. So then we'll tell people, you could have a eulogy, so that people don't think that that we follow the opinion of the Tzdukim, that say that it's every year on a Sunday. But let's say we didn't push it off to Sunday.
But let's say Shavuos fell out someday during the week. And it fell out during the week, but for some reason, you end up pushing it off. Either according to Bishama, we always push it off. Or let's say, it wasn't that it was pushed off, but not everyone, not everyone was able to bring the Korban, the sacrifice on the day of Shavuos itself. And so therefore, some people brought it the next day. So if some people brought it the next day, we'll tell people that you shouldn't have a eulogy and you shouldn't fast the next day. And that's why Rabbi Tarvin said you shouldn't fast or have a eulogy the next day. This is the concept that we call, called Isru Chag. Isru Chag is the day after the holiday, the day after Shavuos. We say that you shouldn't fast, you shouldn't have eulogies on that day. And we also say that there's no Tachanun on that day. We don't recite Tachanun during the prayer service. We do various things because it's a quasi-holiday. Even nowadays where we don't bring sacrifices and nobody's bringing sacrifices the day after Shavuos, we say that it has some quasi-form of a holiday. That is, as long as it doesn't fall out on a Sunday. As long as Shavuos isn't pushed off onto a Sunday. If it's pushed off onto a Sunday, so then we, then we say that there are eulogies and you could fast. But any other time of the any other time of the week, any other day of the week, if we push it off, so Isruchag, the concept called Isruchag, the day after the holiday is Shavuos, we say that it ends up being a day of uh, a quasi-holiday. Uh, some explain because there's the potential to bring sacrifices the next day, even though really technically you have all seven days to bring it, but most people are going to bring it the next day, they're going to want to go home, they're traveling to Yerushalayim, they're going to want to bring it as soon as possible, so they'll bring it the next day. And therefore it became a quasi-holiday because many people were bringing sacrifices on the day after Shavuos as well. But the truth is that this does not just apply for Shavuos, it applies for Pesach, it applies for Sukkot. The day after the holiday is called Isru Chag, and we say that you shouldn't fast, you shouldn't have eulogies, and mostly because there's some, even if it's not directly because of the sacrifices, because on Pesach and Sukkot, we do not bring, uh, we don't have the Tashlumen, we don't bring uh, the various sacrifices the day after Sukkot, the day after Pesach. You already had a whole holiday, the whole seven or eight days to bring it. But we say that, nevertheless, it has, the day after the holiday has some form of added celebration to it. And so therefore on those days you should not have eulogies or fast on those days. That concludes the end of the Gemara. So the Gemara essentially said that if we push off Shavuos to Sunday, so we say to counteract the the, the thinking of the Tzedukim that Shavuos is always pushed off to Sunday, we say that you should fast, you should have you should have eulogies if it's necessary. But if it's any other day of the week, so then and it's pushed off because you just weren't able to bring sacrifices on the day of Shavuos, so we push it off to the next day. So then we say that you uh, you should not have eulogies, you should not fast because it's some form of it's a quasi form of a holiday. Okay, we're now up to the next mission. The next mission now we have ten weeks essentially, basically ten weeks left where we are discussing a totally new topic. A new new topic dealing with Tuma and Tahara, purity and impurity. Uh, so this is spiritual impurity, spiritual purity, and the transfer of these different types of purity, uh, which is somewhat appropriate, somewhat timely, as we are now currently involved in contamination and not transferring different uh, touching between different people and different things and different objects. And so this is definitely something that we can very much uh, relate to uh, today, but we're now discussing this for the next 10 weeks, for the next 10 pages, this will be our discussion. Why is this mentioned here? So there are different reasons as to why this is mentioned here. What's the connection to our entire tractate? One explanation that's given is that there's a law that when one enters into the yontiv and enters into the holiday, so then one should be pure. One should ideally be pure. 
there's a concept of going into the holiday in purity, and so therefore we discuss various laws of purity to make sure that a person is pure when they enter into the uh, holiday. Okay, so just as a little bit of a background information, and then we'll just discuss the Mishnah, and hopefully tomorrow we'll send out a recording for the rest of the Gemara. But just to give a, a, a broad uh, introduction, there are there is there are different levels of impurity. The highest form of impurity is called what we call the Avi Avosatama. I sent um, a a chart for this that's found on the WhatsApp group. Uh, but the highest form is what we call an Avi Avosatama, the highest level, the father of the fathers of Tuma of impurity, and that's purely a dead body. A dead body is the highest form of impurity. The next level is what we call an Av just the father, not the fathers of the fathers, but the father of impurity. That is if you touch a dead body, or if you other ways of coming in contact with a dead body. But if you touch a dead body, so then you become an avatoma. That's what we call the highest form, uh, the father of the toma. Other forms of toma, other forms of, of impurity also include, let's say, a woman who is an anida, who becomes a anida from her, her menstrual cycle, um, or a zav, other forms of impurities uh, that have that same level of an avatoma, of that father of a toma. Now, somebody that touches that is what we call a Rishon Latuma. Somebody who touches the, the, uh, the Avatuma, let's say somebody who touches somebody who touches a dead body, or you touch somebody, a woman who was, who was a Nida, who, who is a Nida, so then you have now the impurity called a Rishon Latuma. You are now the first degree. You have touched that person, you are now the first degree, uh, and the, the impurity is transferred over onto such a person. Now, people and utensils could only reach a Rishon Latuma, meaning that first level of what we call the, the first degree of contamination after touching the father of the impurity. So that can only make, that's where people and utensils, they could reach that level of impurity. Now, if, now if a person then touches somebody that's called a Rishon Latuma, meaning now it's a second degree, so you have the father, then you have the first degree, and now the second degree, a person cannot be reached that on a biblical level, a person cannot have that status of a of a Shani Lutuma. The only thing that can have a status of a Shani Lutuma is is somebody if they uh if it's uh, food. Any food could have the status of a Shani Lutuma of a second degree. Now if that meaning the food touches either the person or some other object, or another form of food, that was the first degree, now you can have the Shani Lutama, the second degree, is if food then touched that first degree. Now if if food then touches a second degree, to become a third degree, only specific types of food could receive that type of contamination of impurity on a biblical level, and that's what we refer to as Truma and Kachim. Truma and Kachim have a higher level, Truma is holy food that's given over to the Kohen, that's food that's designated for the Kohen, or Kachim is what we've been dealing with until now, all these different sacrifices that are brought to the base of Mikdash. Uh, those could become third degree Tumah, and the last level is a fourth degree, and that's something that touches the third degree, and that's only Kachim. That's called Revi'i Tumah, so then only Kachim could really uh, get that level of a fourth degree of Tumah. So again, this is this is a bit complicated, but just to review, this is all on a biblical level. The highest level is the father of fathers, that's just a dead body. The father of Tumah, the father of impurity, is something that touches the dead body, or just different levels of, 
of impurity that's quoted in the Torah, whether that is a dead sheret, which is a dead crawling creature, uh, a zav, uh, a man who has certain who, who has certain emissions, um, a, a woman who is a nida from a menstrual cycle. That's called just the father of tumah. Now, when it when that gets transferred over to the first degree, that's called regional tumah. The first degree could uh, make somebody a person impure or a utensil impure, but the rest after that is all based on food. So sheni lutumah, the second degree, is for all foods. Shlishi, the third degree, is for truma and kachim. Truma is food that's given uh, to the kohen. And then kachim is just sacrifices. And then the fourth degree is for kachim alone, that which is given as sacrifices. And that is how far we go in terms of a biblical level of impurities. There are a lot of rabbinic additions, rabbinic uh, fences that they made to add on to this, to add on to this biblical level. Uh, we don't, we're not going to get on to all of them in our introduction. But one of them is that uh, they instituted, and again, if you become impure, so then the way you become pure for all these, just going back for a second, is you have to go to the mikvah. The way you become pure is by going to the mikvah uh, for all these. Now, the, the rabbis instituted that because our hands touch everything, our hands uh, go around and they touch everything, they, they're able to become in contact with everything. Again, appropriate for this time, unfortunately. Um, but they could touch anything. So they instituted that just your hands... In order for you to get involved in the base Amigdash, in the temple, in Korbanos, in sacrifices, or with Truma, uh, that's the uh, the produce that's given to the Kohen, in order for you to get involved in that, so then you have to wash your hands. It's necessary just to wash your hands in general if you want to get involved in any of this. Again, and also just to, to, to get back to our introduction, what's the difference if you're pure or impure? The difference is, is whether you're allowed to get involved in sacrifices or... Um, go into the base of Migdash. You have to be pure when you when you get involved in all these things. Uh, but they instituted that your hands, even if you think your hands are pure, you have to wash your hands again in order to um, in order to get involved in these things. And that's what the Mishnah is going to be discussing. The Mishnah says that notonly there are three parts of the Mishnah. So this is the first third of the Mishnah. Notonly adaim lechulin ulemaiser ulatruma. If you want to touch chulin, which is just Regular food. It used to be that if you just wanted to touch regular food, any food, or you wanted to touch Meisr Shani, designated food that's from uh, your crop that you you bring to the base of Migdash, you bring to Yerushalayim to eat, or Truma, which is the food that's given to the Kohen. For any of these things, it's enough. You have to wash your hands, but it's enough just to wash your hands. All you have to do is you wash your hands with a certain amount of water, and that's sufficient. But But if you want to have get involved in sacrifices, that's already a higher level. So you don't have to just wash, it's more than just washing your hands. If you want to touch uh, these the actual sacrifice, the sacrifices, the meat of the sacrifices, you have to dip your hands into a mikvah. You don't have to dip your whole body into the mikvah, but you have to dip your hands into the mikvah. And then ulachatas, the highest level, are the uh, is the water, the special uh, water that they use together with, uh, uh, with the, the water which is mixed with the ashes, for the paraduma, for the paraduma, this is water. This is a very specific form of kachim of these sacrifices, which is the water which is mixed in with the ashes, which is used to purify somebody who has the highest form of impurity of of touching a dead body, and they require a whole separate form of becoming pure. And so, to touch these waters, you have to have complete purity and 
and you have to just you have to go to the mikvah if you want to get involved in that. You have to go in the mikvah. Your entire body has to go into the mikvah. It's not just enough to wash your hands. Your entire body has to go into the mikvah. So again, just to review, um, um, and just the last line before we review, nitmu yadav nitmu gufo. Um, that if your if your hands become impure, if you actually touch impurity, so then you have to go into the mikvah. So again, just to review, we're, we're discussing here is where you did not actually touch any impurity. If you didn't didn't touch your, any impurity, the Rabbanon instituted, the rabbis instituted that you still have to wash your hands. If you want to eat anything, you have to wash your hands. If you want to eat that which you bring to the Yerushalayim, you have to wash your hands. If you want to eat truma, the kohen, kohen wants to eat his special food, you have to wash your hands. But if you want to get involved in the sacrifices and to have the sacrificial meat, so then you have to dip your hands into mikvah. You don't have to put your entire body into the mikvah, but you have to dip your hands into, into the mikvah. But if you want to get involved in the mechatas, in the water which is used to, to purify uh, that which uh, a person that touches a dead body, then you have to go to the mikvah, and you have to go to the mikvah if your hands actually touched impurity. If your hands touch impurity, again, until now we've been discussing just if your hands didn't touch impurity. But if your hands didn't touch impurity, then certainly you have to go into the mikvah. The second third of the Mishnah. Now we have the second third of the Mishnah says that you have to have intention when you go in when you go into the mikvah when you get to be purified. You have to have intention that I'm going in for the sake of becoming pure. And if I have in mind that it's for the sake of becoming pure just to eat regular food, it doesn't work for holier food. And that's what the Mishnah says. Tavalachulin. If my intention was uh, for just for the purpose of having regular food, I'm allowed to have regular food. I'm not allowed to have Meiser Shani, the food that I bring in when I go into Yerushalayim, the crop that I bring in that's designated when I go into Yerushalayim. Tavala Meiser, if I had intention to eat, that I'm becoming pure in order to eat uh, the Meiser, the Meiser Shani that I bring to Yerushalayim, then I'm allowed to have that Meiser, but it's forbidden for me to have that next level of eating Truma, the Kohen who has his food for Truma. Tavala Truma, if I go in with intention to become pure in order to have Truma, I'm allowed to have the truma. I'm not allowed to get involved in the various sacrifices. But if I go and if I go in with the intention of becoming pure in order to get involved in, in the sacrifices, so I'm allowed to do that. But I'm not allowed to go into the highest level, which is for the chatas, which is for the, the the waters of the of the of the of the chatas, which is used to purify others. But if I become, if I have intention for a higher level, so then it certainly helps for anything which is more lenient. So if I have intention for sacrifices, so then I'm allowed to have truma, and I'm allowed to have meiser sheni, and I'm allowed to have regular food. So if I have for the highest level, so then it certainly works for a lower, lower level. The, the Gemara concludes the second third of this and says, If I have no intention whatsoever, when I go, when I go in, I just go into a body of a mikvah water, Without any intention of becoming pure, it does not work. I have to have intention to go in for the sake of becoming pure. That's the second third. Again, the first third discussed this rabbinic decree of washing your hands or putting your hands into a mikvah or going into the mikvah. The second third discusses that I have to have the right intention in mind in order for it to work. And if I have only for a lower level, to eat something which is on a lower level, it doesn't work for a higher level. The last third of the Mishnah discusses what happens, a different law also in, in, entirely with regards to the laws of... Uh, Tumantara, purity and impurity. And it says that different people have different standards. People have different standards of impurity. That if I am somebody who am highly, highly careful, very careful about the laws of purity and impurity, so I can't just touch other people's clothing because maybe their clothing are impure. So, big day prushim, midras la truma. So, if 
I'm somebody who eats truma. I'm a Kohen who eats truma. So I have a higher level of of uh, awareness of purity and impurity as opposed to somebody who just, they want to be pure the whole year, but there's no need for them to be pure the whole year. They're not eating truma, but they want to be pure, pure the whole year. So if I'm at their house, I have to make sure I don't touch their clothing because their clothing might be impure. Big day of truma, midrash kodesh. Somebody who uh, is involved in sacrifices so they have a higher level than somebody who just eats truma, eats the food that a coin is supposed to eat. And so therefore, if they are around those people, don't touch. They can't touch their clothing because even for them, even for the people that eat truma, their clothing is pure. But the person who is going involved in, involved in sacrifices, they have a higher level and they, they have to be more concerned. And so therefore, they can't touch their clothing. Big dekodesh midras lechatas. And somebody who is involved in the chatas and the waters that purify others, so... They have a higher level than those, and they therefore they can't. They have to be careful not to touch those that are involved in sacrifices, even though the people that are involved in sacrifices are, are certain that their clothing's pure. But still, somebody who's involved in mechatas in that highest form cannot get involved in. It cannot touch the clothing. It has to be concerned that they can't touch the clothing of those that uh, are are of the level of kodesh that they're involved in sacrifices. And the Mishnah concludes with two examples. Yosef ben Yoezer had a chassid shibikuhuna, the haisa mitaf chasso midras lekodesh. Yosef ben Yoezer, he was a chassid, he was a pious person in kuhuna. He ate truma, he ate the food that was designated for the kohen. But yet, somebody who was and he was very pious, nevertheless, somebody who was involved in kachim, involved in sacrifices, would make sure not to touch their clothing. And finally, Yochanan ben Gudgada had a ochal taras lekodesh. Kol yom av haisa mitaf chasso midras lechatas. Yochanan ben Gudgadah, he was involved in sacrificial work. He was involved in the base of Megdash in, in sacrifices. But yet, somebody who's involved with Mechatas, that highest form, so he would be careful not to touch such a person's clothing, even though that person himself thinks that he's completely pure, and he's certain that he's completely pure. But somebody who's involved in the highest form of the Mechatas, or the waters that purify others, so he has to be extremely, extremely cautious, and he cannot touch the clothing of anybody uh, lower than him. So those are the three parts of the Mishnah. Again, the first part of the Mishnah deals with uh, washing your hands, what you have to wash your hands for, what you have to put your hands in the mikvah for, what you have to go in the mikvah for. The second ha- third of the Mishnah uh, discusses the intention. They have to have intention when you go into the mikvah, and different intentions work for different parts. And the third part discussed uh, the that you have to be extra careful. If you're involved in a higher form of holiness, so then you cannot rely on other people's clothing, even though if they think that they are holy, that they're pure, uh, you cannot rely on that, uh, and you have to ha- you have to have higher standards if you are dealing with holier objects. Okay, that is our introduction to kachim, to our first part of to tuma to, to purity and impurity, and we'll continue with the gemara, ho- hopefully in the next recording tomorrow.